Support for the Lincoln Project podcast comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who've switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com Lincoln. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash Lincoln. Odoo, modern management made simple. Hey everyone, it's Reed. Before we get started, it's 2024. We've been waiting. Here it is. We've been talking about this. Everything we did in 2021 to prepare for 2022, everything we did in 2022 to prepare for 2023, it all comes down to this, guys. Now 10 months, 10 months to election day. I hope you'll get involved with us. I want to say thank you for listening. I hope you will share this with your friends, your family, your colleagues in the American pro-democracy movement. I hope you'll sign up, lincolnproject.us, jointheunion.us. Get involved, everybody. Every moment counts, and I cannot say thank you enough. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to The Lincoln Project. I'm your host, Reed Galen. Today, I'm once again joined by Joe Trippi, senior advisor to Lincoln Project, legendary Democratic strategist, and host of That Trippy Show. Joe, welcome back. Good to be with you, Reed. All right, so Joe, as we're recording this, we're less than 24 hours out of the Iowa caucus results. You have probably as much experience in Iowa in caucuses and cold weather as anybody um, <laughs> Is anybody really glad that neither of us were there? Me too. Right. Yes. Although it is funny to see all of the TV people like, how cold is it? And the yeah. Iowans are like, can you give up on the cold? Like, this is not a thing. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> have you been to Iowa in the winter before? Only yeah. every four years, I guess. All right. So Trump wins 52%, DeSantis at 22 ish, Haley at 19, and then Vivek at seven or eight. He's gone now. Only about 10% of registered Republicans turn out. And so now here we are. Usually there's, you know, second place is the first ticket out of Iowa. But DeSantis has already said, nope, I'm skipping New Hampshire. I'm going straight to South Carolina. Haley says, now it's finally a two-person race, as if it's ever been a race. So all of that said, what's different today, Tuesday, as we're recording this, that wasn't true yesterday before people started voting? I'm not sure a whole lot new has happened, but yeah. a lot of things that I thought were going to happen right. kind of did. You know, you knew that Trump was going to win, but it always surprised me that he was hovering around 50. You know, we're in a party that he completely owns, completely controls for two or three years now. We know he's formidable, unstoppable. He's going to be the nominee. Yet 49% of Iowa Republican voters or caucus attenders picked someone else. Even the Ron DeSantis voters picked Ron DeSantis over Trump. I mean, for different right. reasons than necessarily why Haley's voters picked her over him, obviously. But the fact that, particularly when you look at the urban and, and suburban numbers, I was a little surprised at how strong the two of them ran next to Trump. In other words, the problems that Trump had with Biden, with suburban women, for example, in the general- Have not gone away. No. In fact, it looks to me like it's worse. So now the question is, I mean, look, I think DeSantis has been dead man walking 
almost from the beginning, from the get-go. I don't think there was anything that happened in Iowa that changed that for right. him. He can go to South Carolina and wait and hang out. There have been a ton of candidates who've come out of Iowa or left Iowa thinking, I'll wait down there right. or so- somewhere. Al Gore famously waited for super for Dukakis to come out. And remember, Rudy Giuliani was going to lose six elections to win Florida. Right. So yeah. this happens all the time. It's not nothing new there either. <laughs> it just never works. Right. And so, you know, good luck, Ron, but not going to happen. And so, look, I think, you know, uh, the other thing I think is it, it probably is a mistake for him to leave Haley alone with Trump you know, and make it a two-person race right. in New Hampshire, because I think she's still got some positive upside there. You still have Chris Sununu, the governor, very popular. And that difference, that split in the party that was there in Iowa, 50-49, is a much different one, and it seems to be in New Hampshire, where Trump's even running below that into the 40s. So, you know, can she get by him? I think she still can. Before she started gaffing the last, I mean, she had the worst final 10 days in Iowa, uh, the second worst, the worst 10 days in Iowa, in my memory, was my guy, Howard Dean campaign. But she had the second worst week, came out of it not taking second because she should have. She had the the ability to do that. But I still think she has a shot in New Hampshire. I've said all along, I don't think that means a whole lot in terms of who the nominee is. But, you know, the longer she prolongs the fight, the longer that divide in the party in Trump's reaction to being defeated by her if she does get by him somehow, right. does that create even a bigger problem with some of these women in the, in the suburbs? And think, you know, think right. problems that he would have in the general anyway, but they're exacerbated by the fight, even if it is only a month long one. And there's a lot of time if she does win in, in New Hampshire, there's a month before you do get to South Carolina. Right. And she's going to be making a lot of noise. It'll right. be, come on. This is the whole fallacy of the Ron DeSantis thing. So you're going to go to South Carolina, wait. She beats Trump in New Hampshire. Right. And somehow you now you have more of a reason to be around. When the press is going, going to go into full Trump, Haley, Trump, Haley, yeah. how do you even get your hand up in the air of your him? And in the other way around, if Trump wins Iowa and New Hampshire... Florida could be the next state. Just go down there and hang you know, on. We're you already have a house there. Yeah, right. but it's done. You know, it's like, it's over there. So I don't understand the, the DeSantis strategy with all the money he had and what he had going for him before he went totally, you know. Well, you talked about this almost from the beginning, that he just doesn't have the personality. No, there's that, to do there's the, that daily show send up of him. You are a big boy wearing your big boy shoes, yeah, right? Yeah. iPhone check, good. Oh, want to talk? And it was like, it was so brilliantly yeah, done. No. And that's the kind of stuff that just deconstructs a candidate. Yeah. So the guy on paper who, you know, should have been, right. or everybody thought because of the money and everything that he had going for him, just never materialized in it. And like the more he was out there, the worse it got. I don't think anything happened last night to change that. And the, the strategy never made sense, and now it even makes less sense. I mean, yeah, now right. what they're doing. So, look, either Nikki Haley can pull it together. Now, the one thing I would say is if she does pull it together and somehow goes by him in New Hampshire, I would not discount that this continues on for a while. I, don't, I mean, I know people go, she'll get creamed in her own state, you know, probably. But the other side of this is I just think that there are more voters I mean, look, the MAGA base, forget about it. We right. know that. But I think there are more voters that have questions and are sort of, okay, 
if there's no alternative, I'm doing Trump, I'm doing Trump. But if they see an alternative, it may only last little flash in the pan right. thing, but it could spark a bigger disruption in the race for right. a little longer. I still think in the end, Trump will be the nominee. Yeah, and you know that's one of those things. I've, I talked to Trigvi about this because for an authoritarian leader like Trump, inevitability and invincibility right, exactly. are their shields, are their two main shields. When the, one of those gets pierced, first, we know how he'll react which is he will claim New Hampshire was stolen from him. He will then begin to say terrible things about Nikki Haley. And so that's the thing, you know, that he gets himself into, which is, you know, seeing all this BS from the media about, oh, the discipline campaign that Trump ran. Like, first of all, he didn't have to run a campaign in Iowa. The evangelical churches did all the work for him, right? His name is Donald Trump. He was the Republican president. So that got him to 51, right? But now... Everything he says is a trade-off for him. So I want to go back to something about DeSantis. Before we move on to, you know, New Hampshire and beyond, I want to go back to something about DeSantis because, you know, it was actually Alex on your team that pointed this out to me is that there was a, one of the newspapers did a graphic of, you know, what was the biggest issue you care about? And, you know, there was economy, there was foreign policy, there was whatever it is. But abortion was one of the four I think they chose. Sure. And that was the one that DeSantis was strongest on, which says to me, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, is that those are the people who are giving DeSantis any staying power because they're not buying that Trump is really pro-choice. They're, they know he's not a real, quote unquote, evangelical. So now Trump's people who are smart can see that. So now I think, Joe, this is the ticking time bomb inside Trump's coalition, which is if he goes to try and recapture those people and says, I killed Roe, I killed Roe, I killed Roe, I killed Roe, now all those suburban women and right. younger voters are like, uh-uh, I don't want that back. Maybe Joe Biden's not my cup of tea, but you're the guy who made sure I was a less free woman, and I don't want anything to do with that. And if he goes further into the no, 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 I'm pro-choice, then the evangelicals are like, well... Then they start peeling off. And here's the thing is, this is the thing about Trump, and I, I promise I'll be quiet, is his ceiling is low and he can't afford to lose anybody. Right. So he's straddling, yeah. uh, which is not a good thing to be. I mean, you're-, you're guess, Especially it, if you're it, Donald just, Trump. Yeah. yeah. So he's straddling. But I think too, it also speaks to like why it might be helpful to Nikki Haley that DeSantis is still- hanging around the drain, circling right. the drain. He's dead, but he's still circling. And can he hold enough of those voters that are right. sort of equivocal between Trump and him, you know, you know yeah. hold them? Because evangelical, hardcore pro-life voters, not a huge constituency in New Hampshire. Right. No, that's exactly right. So it's interesting. I, I know a lot of people said, well, this is the worst, you know, and Stuart, I think, talked about this. And I, I kind of agree with him. It's the worst possible outcome for Haley. Yes, last night. But part of me wonders, like, you know, does she benefit from DeSantis because of this, the abortion position that keeps Trump having to either, he's got to decide which right. way he's going to go here. And it's DeSantis's pressure that kind of like exacerbates that with the evangelical. So uh, DeSantis being there prevents him from moving theoretically back to the middle. Yeah. In a way that would hurt her. I mean, it's going to be really interesting because I, until Alex had pointed that out and you brought it up to me, I was yeah. like, Huh, that, you know, I hadn't seen that, but I really do think maybe there's something too that we weren't looking at that literally benefits her to create that schism, that stress, whatever you want to call right. it, between him and, and Trump's position. No, I, I think 
this is my early hot take, is that I think for Trump, the abortion issue could be like what happened in Apollo 13, right? It was <laughs> yeah. that thing that was buried, you know, when they built the spaceship and yeah. then they tried to send it to the moon and it explodes. Yeah. Like he gave the evangelicals the court and the court gave the evangelicals what they wanted. But in the process, it took the country away from Trump, theoretically. Right. When we've seen it, he's been trying to, you know, I gave you the court, but DeSantis went too far. Right. You know, okay, I don't know how that's going to Well, and play. he said on camera at a rally, I killed Roe. Yeah. I mean, there's, again, part of this thing where it's like, oh, it's such a great campaign team. Like, you can't control the guy. And again, you're stuck in the middle with him. Or st I should say you're stuck way out on the far right with him. Well, that's another interesting thing because we talked about this too earlier. I think it was Politico that did this whole thing about how he altered the party and how strong he is. And the Republican Party's now older, made up more of men, not women. And the men have gone up. And more white, if such a thing was possible. <laughs> no, and so you're looking at the, and these are all from the results last right. night. And then you look, like I said, you look at the city, the urban and the suburban numbers. and you know, Nikki Haley beats him in Johnson County by one vote. But hell, you know, where has he got the problem? In exactly those kinds of counties were the counties where Biden was winning Republican women and in, in, in suburbanites. So it's like the more you look at it, the groups that he's made stronger in the Republican Party are- The ones dying are, the fastest. Yeah, are, literally. are descendant in terms of like lowering their impact in the general election. And we're part of the, the group's on the other side, particularly with those women in those suburban areas that Biden needed and Democrats needed in 2022 and the red wave that never happened, it was those exact voters that, that made that difference. And it, there's nothing that happened in last, that's the other thing that didn't change. If anything, last night revealed, I think, that he's even weaker in those areas right. and with those classes of voters uh, than he was in 2020 or 2022. We've got President Biden, we've got Donald Trump, we've got these other mooks out there theoretically running for president. And I say theoretically because yeah, until any of them none are of them ballot, can't yeah. do it. But also, you know, Iowa might be just south of Wisconsin, but Wisconsin is not Iowa. Michigan might be northeast of Iowa, but Michigan is not Iowa. Pennsylvania is not Iowa. Arizona is certainly not Iowa. Right. So you had a very, very particular and this is what we always see. Remember, Santorum won there. Huckabee won there. Pat Robertson won there. Right. So it's always been a little bit of an outlier in these ways, which is it's always been willing to choose the person that, frankly, no other cohort of a large American cohort would have anything to do with. It's true. But the other side of that is I keep going back to this. We all know everybody for two years, at least it's been he's unstoppable. He's going to be the nominee. No one has a chance. He's invincible. You're pointing about the invincibility thing. And Iowa looked at the alternatives and half of the party, 49%, right. said, no, I'll take any of the alternatives over, over the guy who the press right. treats as God. I mean, if you look at this the other way, if Joe Biden had been in an Iowa caucus last night and only gotten 50% of the vote. I know. The world would have ended. If there had been six candidates, three candidates, one candidate, it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, it would have just been... Right. They would have reported yeah. it that the president had done a front somersault off a stage. Yeah. yeah. I ran the state for Vice President Mondale right. in 84. You know, we had a similar victory. 
we got 49%. Gary Hart got 17%. Right. That was second place was right. 17. I mean, I don't know everybody says, well, in the Republican Party, the record was 12 points or 15 points or whatever. Okay, but you never had literally a former president right. or a former vice president. I mean, it's right. the front runner that yeah. was, and the, the closest thing to it really was Mondale in 84. I right. understand that's a long time ago. Got it. But we got 49, you got 17, it's 32 points. And no one like was thinking, geez, Mondale's really strong. That's unbelievable. He can't be stopped. It right. was like, hey, Maybe the second place person should have a shot. That's not what's going on right now. Do you it know does, wouldn't finished? matter whether Hale, it, it's just amazing to watch this. Here's a trivia question for you. Who finished second in the 2008 Iowa caucuses? Who, who did? Fred Thompson. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who yeah. my dad worked for yeah, at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Fred beat McCain by like yeah. five votes. And my dad's like, if David Yepsen says you finish second, you finish second. But think about this. I was in Iowa for George W. Bush in 2000. And until somebody brought it up the other day, I thought that Bush had won Iowa by like 50 points. No, he beat Steve Forbes by 10, 41, 31. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then goes on to get crushed by McCain in New Hampshire. But Iowa has this weird distortion field in our yeah. memories, right? Yeah, no. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think the most significant thing about last night was that 50 and the 49 that yeah. were on the other side. People who were willing to brave the weather, to go right. stand in the gymnasium, to go to the church hall, to go to the VFW hall, right? Like, if these were the hardest of the hardcore voters who always turn out, there you are. Oh, and that's the other thing. What everybody's talking about, well, Haley doesn't have an organization. Also, her people aren't as enthusiastic. Remember the, the numbers about, you know, Trump's are more enthusiastic. Well, for somebody who didn't have an organization and didn't have enthusiastic supporters, right. hey, she took third. But I mean, you know, it wasn't that I think the thing that in these early states, I'm always looking for where are the cracks in the front runners mantle, not necessarily that's going to stop right. him from being the nominee. You know, Fritz Mondale went on to become the nominee, even right. though Gary Hart was the Senate, you know, got right. it or launched to, to stop him. And what's interesting when you look at those cracks, Again, suburban, urban, women. I mean, the fact that, you know, that the press is actually kind of like celebrating that the parties become older and more men right. is insane in a right. country where the older folks are dying and everybody knows more women will vote in the general election in right. the key battleground states than men. And so it's like, what's celebratory about that? It says there's problems where he may be strengthening the parties, creating a weaker one in terms of a general election. Support for the Lincoln Project podcast comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who've switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash Lincoln. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash Lincoln. Odoo, modern management made simple. So Ron DeSantis, self-identified Ron DeSantis voters said, I think it was somewhere like 30% of them would not vote for Trump in yeah. the general, but would vote for, would consider Biden. And it was like 58% yeah, some bigger of self-identified Haley voters yeah. said, 
they would not vote for Trump. They would vote for Biden. Now, to me, that might be the biggest red waving flag alarm bell for the Trump people is wait, 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 wait. It's not just that, you know, okay, yeah, we only got half the votes. It's of the people that did participate. Let's just for argument's sake, Joe said somewhere between 15 and 30 percent of them said, I want nothing to do with this guy. Yeah, exactly. In a state like Iowa, again, which isn't Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina or anywhere else. That's my point. Iowa should have been, I mean, given the strengths, given who he- Should have been a blowout. It should have been a blowout. They're acting like it's a blowout. It wasn't a blowout. I mean, I still maintain, everybody's talking about, well, the DeSantis voters in Iowa would have gone, would never have gone to Haley. They would have voted for Trump. That's not my experience in the early states. In the early states, you're either for the front runner or you're looking for an alternative. And right. those voters, the reason they voted, and it could have been because of abortion, I'm not right. saying, but there was a reason those DeSantis voters who had a, every chance in the world to vote for the invincible Donald Trump did not do it last night. And that's, I mean, whether it's because they, they don't think he's there on abortion or right. you know whatever, but there was a reason. And part of that, it's the same thing that I saw in 84, that, you know, Jesse Jackson voters and John Glenn you know, astronaut hero John Glenn voters had nothing in common except one thing. Those voters had decided, you know, I think this guy's better than Walter Mondale to be the nominee. I want somebody different than him. I think that 49% was saying, geez, I really wish there was somebody, even the Vivek supporters. Can I spend 30 seconds on the Ramaswamy vote? Yeah. Okay. So he did get 7%, which is not great, but better than you'd think a guy named Vivek Ramaswamy would get in a state like Iowa. I think those people, let's just say, I don't know that they all go back to Trump. And if they don't go to Trump, A, they don't vote. Or if like a Bobby Kennedy Jr. is around, they go to him. Because I think those are what I call the FU white guys. They're the people who don't like anybody. They never like Trump because he's too old or whatever. They may not even really have liked Vivek, but okay. (laughs) Right, right. But you know what? He was the protest candidate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they listened to the All In podcast. They listened to Joe Rogan. They think Jordan B. Peterson is a really intellectual mastermind. It's all this weird, you know, they used to call it the, the intellectual dark web or whatever, which is these people who don't like anybody, they're not Democrats, right? They're certainly never going to be Democrats, but they might think that Trump is like too big government or something, right? So it's interesting. (laughs) But the reason I even bring it up, Joe, is because in what Rick has called the game of small numbers, again, Trump can't afford to lose anybody, even if losing anybody means staying home. Right, exactly. And I think there's subgroups of that within everybody's support. In other words, I think there are people who supported DeSantis, whether it's because they won't trust him on abortion or because he's right. moving, moderating. I'm going to stay home. I mean, you know, with Nikki, that's why I think more of them say, well, no, I'll vote for, excuse me, Biden if she's not in it. There are different gradients of I can't stomach Trump in those coalitions. And some of it will be, I'm just not going to vote. And he can't afford, when you've got a, a low ceiling, 45, 46%. He already needs third parties or other people to right. sort of keep them winning right. level around 45, mid 40s. And at the same time, he can't afford for it to go in much lower. I mean, right. so if it drifts down to 43 or 44, even the third parties can't, 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 save, can't him. save him. And I think about that too, because I think maybe it got delayed a week, but he's going to now go back into court against E. Jean Carroll, where a judge has deemed him an adjudicated rapist 
for the defamation phase of this. He's got, I think, yet another thing in New York State where he might lose his businesses altogether. You know, if the Jack Smith trial in D.C. for January 6th doesn't start in March, it will start sometime in the spring or early summer, probably. His behavior is not going to be better between now and all of those events. And certainly if Haley is somehow to upset him in New Hampshire, again, I don't know how you recognize a Trump meltdown because it's one after another, but, you know, he'll lose his mind and he'll probably fire a whole lot of people and he'll leave his whole organization in shambles. And we will certainly help bring those things around. But that's where it's like you can't ever forget that this is a guy who, if left to his own devices, will often shoot himself in the foot. And they can't control that. And right. they, they know they can't. You know, so I think that's part of what I've always thought. Like I said, I, I keep saying he's probably going to be the nominee, even if Haley beats him in New Hampshire. I'm just saying I'm not sure that you can discount her defeating him in New Hampshire, right. whether it's piercing the invincibility thing right. with three or four points of his MAGA crowd. You know, something can happen right. when, that ha- when something like that happens. His reaction, I mean, there's all kinds of- I mean, look, of- let's say that she beats him in New Hampshire, and now you've got a whole bunch of what I'm going to call George W. Bush-type donors- Right. Who maybe they got behind Trump in 16. Maybe they even got behind him in 20, but they really never liked him. They were always sort of embarrassed. They would never bring him to the club. Right. Like whatever club they belong to. And now it's like, maybe we really can take him out. And so then they're like, go, go, go. We beat him in New Hampshire. Now we can beat him. And now he's taken shots from the right. Right. Or from Republicans, not just from Democrats or the media or whoever else. Yeah, I think we're going to hear this whole week about how New Hampshire's rigged and it's the Democrats are going to be the ones that, you because, know. That, because yeah. technically Biden's not on the ballot. So there's a write-in effort, I guess, that yeah. the DNC is putting together so that because it is a primary, whether sure. or not the Democrats are participating in it. But yeah, I mean, anybody can vote for anybody. So, you know, when, when, when every MOOC talking head is at Dixville Notch at 12.01 a.m. next week, <laughs> it will begin. And, you know, Democrats and independents can flood across to Nikki Haley, potentially swamp Trump. Yeah, it's possible. But that process has always been the case up there. I mean, you could make an yeah. argument that's what helped McCain in 2000. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's what I'm saying. So it's, you know, I know Nikki Haley's trying, somebody said she's trying to will it being a two-person race despite coming in third. But look, I think most people have come to the conclusion New Hampshire's down to her and Trump. If she can win there... She's going to be able to continue to make the case it's me or Trump. You right. guys got to decide. There's no signs that she's willing to really take him on in a way that would challenge voters that are with him to leave yeah. or make them think about it. And look, if she's not going to yeah. do it this week, she's not going to yeah, do it. That's, so, you know, we'll see. That's where I have my doubts about it, no matter what. It's, yeah. Okay, so she wins New Hampshire. You know, look, I've been saying that she could win New Hampshire for six, seven months. Back then, everybody thought I was nuts that anybody could. Well, take we, it's sort of an ongoing feeling we have. Yeah, mentioned. I know. So it works. <laughs> and, no, and, and maybe I am. I mean, like I've said, there's several things I've been wrong about. You know, in my career, the one thing that every you know everybody goes well. You know, particularly my Democratic friends are like Joe, but if she's the nominee, she crushes us. What about that poll that had her up over 17 points over over Joe Biden? And it's like, yeah, well, like you guys are out of your mind. 
because Trump will be at the convention that, this urging is, his MAGA friends. I, I to, was just telling. To, I was to just join telling, with him yeah. in, in unity to for the good of the country and the good of the party to, right. to support Nikki Haley, our, our nominee for president. Are you out of your mind? Yeah. I mean, what? Well, we're here at, at Podville Media today recording. I was just telling Oscar who who runs the place. You know, I said, look, if Nikki Haley is the nominee. Two good things happen. One, Donald Trump won't be president. And two, Nikki Haley gets crushed in the general because 25 million Trump voters stay home. Yeah. And then, <laughs> but this has been the whole thing like, okay, like it didn't matter from day right. one. DeSantis and all the money he's blown, her, Christie, all of them, you could never avoid that problem. It's, it's actually, it's the same problem that the party's been in forever now since he came down that escalator. None of them had a chance at all. You had either no chance of beating them in the primaries, which might be the case. And then if you did, you would absolutely have no chance because of his holdover. Like, would 100% of his MAGA friends not vote for the nominee in the Republican? No. But you're talking like five points, six points, 20% of them, right. 20 million of them. You are so dead. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't Yeah, look, doesn't it doesn't matter. And here's the thing is it doesn't need to be a million people yeah. in Wisconsin. It could be 100,000. Yeah, exactly. Or 50,000 and you're crushed. Yeah. Right? And like, so, you know, I'd, yeah. I'd say, look, I think she could beat him in New Hampshire. Oh, please. No. Like, yeah. come on, guy. You know, yeah. they're going to For the first time out. in his life, he's going to be gracious. For the first time in his life, he's going to worry about somebody else. Yeah. And he's going to do the right thing for the country. Let's move to the Democrats for a second. So. President Biden's out there being the president. He's doing what he has to do. He launched his campaign in Valley Forge a couple of weekends ago with the strength of democracy and the defense of democracy is a key theme. Um, tell me, we've talked a lot about Trump's coalition and how it's fragile and you only have to crack off a little bit. How do you feel about the president's ability and the Democrats' ability to bring the Democratic coalition back together, which I think on par is bigger than yeah. the Republicans, but also seems to be A, more fractious, and B, more upset with their own guy than they are with the other guy at the moment. Well, that's it's always like that. I mean, that's just the way the party is. I mean, first of all, we're a bunch of different right. groups, and holding that coalition together is always kind of fractious. But, you know, it's, it's become cliche, but the great unifier has been Trump. There may be people who don't think Biden's enough you know, to fight climate change. Okay, there may be people upset with him about Gaza and Hamas and support of Israel. Okay, this guy wants to deport every single Muslim. Remember, again, going back to 2022, when the economy was going to absolutely destroy the party in power and Biden right. and, and Red Wave, all that was true. Yeah. I mean, those numbers were on inflation, gas prices, right. all that were there. What held it together was the contrast with MAGA and Trump and it didn't, you know, all those normal, what we, you know, what we would have called in the old days, <laughs> like prior to the escalator, right. we would have said, oh man, this thing's done. No, I think it's that same contrast. And I think Trump now is coming into focus more. Look, let's like face it. They did, his people are smarter, better than he's ever had around him. They deserve a ton of credit for their ability to keep him off the radar, off the scope. I just don't see that now. That's not going to happen. No, the race has begun. Yeah. And so he's going to be out there. That, Like you said, he's going to lose it after New Hampshire or not. But there's going to be something. Yeah. 
you know, like last night, he he trashes everybody, and then he's gracious towards the end. And every the press, of course, this is my point. Immediately, the commentators are all about how gracious he was. Joe, this uh, is this instead is yet again of, the night he became yeah, president. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that contrast is going to become clearer and clearer. Yeah. And I think the Biden campaign effort now that it's started is on exactly the right make that contrast very clear make the stakes exactly what they are you know and i think that's incumbent on a, a lot of us you know the president just raised more money in a quarter than anybody in history that's pretty amazing when you actually think about like obama and i mean some of those amazing quarters that that right. you know how the hell did well, that and, happen? And how many people have yeah. to give you that much, yeah. right? Because it's not all sorts of people giving you 2,900 bucks. It yeah. is, but it's also millions of people giving yeah. you 10 bucks. Right. And so I'm saying it's a sign to me that the energy is there. You know, yeah, you're going to hear a lot about I'm pissed at him about this or you Democrats didn't do that or how right. come we... But in the end, that's what I think is fascinating is I'm positive that had we had a primary or a caucus, yeah. you, know, you know, that Biden would be way higher than 50% right. in the results last night. And that we're all celebrating, or the press is celebrating or, right. or fawning over a 51, 21, 20, like add those three up. And it's like, it literally is 50, 51, right. 47 or something. I mean, then you have some stragglers with yeah. Hutchinson picking up seven tenths or something, but right. I, who goes to their caucus and votes for Asa Hutchinson when he's getting 0.7% of the vote? But they did. Right. I mean, just saying that's not someone. Now, I don't know if they're staying home, but I really don't think they're coming out for Trump. And the same when you go up towards Nikki and DeSantis, some numbers of those people are not going to vote for Trump in the general election. And he's the one that can't afford for his ceiling to go lower. Biden, I think, if there weren't third parties, I think that would result in Biden's ceiling actually rising and yeah. going up. I still think that the biggest threat to democracy, I mean, the biggest threat to Trump actually being in the White House is not Donald Trump so much as RFK Jr. and no labels and- Right, and Cornell the, West Cornell and Jill Stein. Stein. It's the third parties if they siphon up enough votes that make this be- a 44-ish, 45 can win it kind of election. Well, that's an election Trump could win. Again, I think it's a feature, not a bug of this campaign. I, I think that Jill Stein is Putin's candidate. RFK Jr. Yeah. is seen palling around with the likes of Bannon yeah. and Mike Flynn and everybody else. Cornell West was supposed to be the Green Party candidate, but he wouldn't do the work. So Jill Stein had to step back in to try and carve off a small, just a small yeah. enough number of African-American voters. And then you've got no labels, which, you know, to me has always been a stalking horse yeah. for Trump as much as they say they're not because they have no possible way of winning an election. Right? Interesting that in 2016, third parties are strong enough that it takes enough votes away and a guy named Donald Trump wins with 46% of the vote. Then in 2020, oh, Third parties are pretty weak, not very strong. Biden gets to 51. Trump's 46.7 isn't enough. He loses. Right. Oh, so we're going at it again. All of a sudden, it's just all coincidence. Like folks. mushrooms after yeah, a rainstorm. Just, man, third party here, third party there. I was in a debate with Clancy at, with no labels. He's, you guys are against uh, democracy. You, you don't want the people to have more choice. No, let's have all kinds of choice. Ryan, let's have 
Hogan run as an independent, Mansion run as an independent, right. Huntsman run as an independent. Let's have give the people all kinds of choice. You're not splitting up the third party vote. You're splitting up the pro democracy coalition right. with the guy who can get 45 percent of the vote and win. It's not a coincidence. This is all with a central theme that it helps Trump. That's all it helps. And I think there's donors who, wow, that's not a bad idea. I can give them some money and right. and I uh, so do two for you know I can yeah. help Trump win. I do think there's a lot of well-meaning people who unwittingly have gotten caught up in that, but that's the biggest threat, I think, and that's what, why I think it's so important to keep that drumbeat up that any third party, any support of a third party in this election, I mean, normally have at it, but this time it's all spoiler and it's spoiler for Trump, and that message has to get out there. That's the, nothing has changed my thinking that that's the biggest threat that actually allows Trump to return to the White House. If it's a one-on-one -on -one race, with particularly with what we saw, like when you look at 57% or whatever it was, mm -hmm. Haley supporters say, I'll vote for Biden before I'll right. vote for Trump. When whatever the number, it was a fairly significant number of DeSantis right. voters said the same thing. I don't remember how big, but it was. I was surprised to right. see how big it was. By the way, this is a caucus that had half the turnout of last time. Right, 10% of registered Republicans. 10% of registered Republicans. I know they'll blame it on the weather and everything. And maybe the weather was the reason. But this was not like, wow, look at all the energy and all these people can't wait to vote for Trump if he's the nominee. That's not what I saw last right. night. No, it was uh, a drip, drip, drip kind of turnout. I'm sure there were people who had prepared for thousands and got yeah. hundreds and people who prepared for hundreds they got dozens and on down the line yeah no because i mean i've been in there you know when like obama defeated clinton i mean that was a, nearly a primary so many people came out right. and voted for, and, and it and this was in democratic caucus where you actually have to stand there and right freeze for like three or four hours listening to speeches and stuff but it was like the numbers were like a primary this thing was one of the really a big drop right. off it was a rotary like club maybe. yeah and then to see the people who did come out, I mean, that's my point. The right. people who did come out are saying, no, I think I might vote for a Democrat if right. she isn't it. Uh, that's, yeah, that's not that's normal. That's not normal. You don't see that. All right. Before I let you go, I want to end with something fun. So uh -oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell my favorite personal Iowa story, and then I'd love you to close us out with yours. So I'm going to give you a second to think about it. All right. Okay. So in, as I know, 24 years ago, I'm in Iowa for George W. Bush, and it was freezing cold that night, too. I don't remember. It was late January, I think. And I was an advanced guy at the time, so I'd been there for a couple of weeks and, you know, I'd driven all over to Indianola, to Ames, to Ottumwa, you name it, right? And I get assigned to the airport on departure, right? Remember also that Al Gore is also running that year, so, and he is vice president. I get to the tarmac at the Des Moines airport and Joe, the tarmac is so cold. Two things have happened. One, the heel of my wingtip freezes to the tarmac. And as I try and step up, the heel rips off the bottom <laughs> of my shoe and might yeah. still be fused to the tarmac today. But the chocks of the press plane, which was a 737, had also frozen to the tires of the, the press plane. plane. Yeah. And so Bush arrives and he gets on the little plane, whatever he's on, and he's sitting there. And there are guys with sledgehammers trying to get these chocks out from the press plane. Meanwhile, we know, because there are a bunch of Secret Service agents there for Gore, that the vice president is en route. 
And if he gets within some certain boundary of the airport, they're going to shut everything down. And Bush, I remember my boss at the time saying, if we don't beat Gore off the tarmac, the next voice you're going to hear off on the radio is the governor's, then Governor Bush. And so everybody is trying desperately to figure out how to get this goddamn airplane off the ground. And thank God they get the press plane moving. Bush takes off. The press plane takes off. And then right as all that is happening, you know, Gore's home motorcade rolls up, you know, because Air Force One's there, you know, bathed in white light and everything else. Or excuse me, Air Force Two. And, you know, we won that night. But again, going back to what I said earlier, we won by 10 that night. But Joe, you'd have thought we won by 50. Like, again, it was amazing to me, all of the energy, all of the adrenaline, everything else. And then, of course, I was off to South Carolina. You know, Bush gets hammered in New Hampshire. We win in South Carolina and the sort of the rest is history. But I think it's one of those things that until you've experienced it, right, it sort of doesn't really sink in with you. No, I mean, Iowa is, gosh, I mean, there's just so many. But the level of how cold it can get, I mean, it's just, (laughs) I mean, I mean, I've been all over the place. I mean, in all kinds of, you know, supposedly cold places. But man, the way that wind blows down. It just comes off the Rockies and there's nothing to stop it for 2,000 miles. And I know people in Chicago, you know, complain about the wind coming in there, but it's nothing like it as it goes through through, uh, Des Moines in particular. But no, I mean, the plane stuff, I remember coming into uh, Council Bluffs with Dick Gephardt and- same thing. It was cold and like freezing and it was in a relatively small plane, but a big one. I mean, yeah. like the DC three, maybe. I mean, okay. we, we flew in this thing that the press had nicknamed the sky pig <laughs> because it didn't fly. It just sort of, no, I it get just it. sort yes. of like hummed and yeah. like would drop. We had one of those in 2000. Yeah. It was a and 727 that no one could ever believe got off the ground. Yeah. yeah. It was just didn't fly. You know, you were just like white knuckling the yeah. whole way. And I'm like, not a white knuckle flyer. But anyway, we come in to, into that airport and just as our, the nose of the planes can you see through the yeah. thing there's a plane on the runway oh god and we you know and you, you see those guys pulling up and like yeah. doing the throttle and like you're seeing the tail of the other plane just as you, oh, you're god. going by. but this kind of stuff happens in, in right. that state all the time people right. like don't know but i mean i think the biggest you know there were a bunch of victory night like the mondale winning 49 17 was just like an amazing night and then like it didn't matter in 10 days, heart right. beat us in New Hampshire and the entire thing changed. Gephardt coming back from dead last at 7% with 10 days left flying past Dukakis and Simon and winning was another one. But then like my worst finish in the state is the one where I'm running the campaign. Howard of course, Dean. well, yeah, of course, <laughs> you know, right. Where we take third. When but, no one knows your yeah, name, everything goes yeah, great. Yeah, 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 no. So <laughs> that one, the way we unraveled was just like, I mean, it it was the worst. I mean, just everything that could go wrong those last 10 days went wrong and we knew it. And I think Trump might have this problem in New Hampshire is we knew we lost a third of our support. We were calling a thousand random people every night going like, Hey, you know, acting like we were pollsters and like, who are you for? (laughs) A thousand of our, we knew these were Dean supporters. We'd call them and like, 689 of them were still with us and we're, the other and the other we're saying somebody else. Oh God! And so you're sitting there and you did the spot check. The spot check sucks. Now, you know, you got to pull them all because what are you going to do? We've got 80,000 or 50,000 people right. that we know we ID'd. We had no choice. I mean, I looked at my entire field team and said, close your eyes and pull every single one of them knowing 
we knew that we were probably pulling out the Zach voters that would make Gephardt or somebody go by us, which is exactly what happened. I think the Trump thing, you know, having a good organization on the ground in New Hampshire, he was at 50 something a month or two ago, you know, a while back. If they've ID'd all these people and they think they, well, something happened because he's now at 39 and she's at 32 or right. whatever she's at. There's no way that when they do the spot check that they're this all going there. Well. That's yeah. going there. They're going to have to pull all those people. That's what I'm saying. It's, but that's, so that's these, sort of like you've been in this, in this situation too. It's like when you realize to keep a campaign alive, okay, you have to raise X dollars a day yeah. and then you don't raise X dollars. So now it's X dollars <laughs> plus 50. And then about a weekend, you're like, well, this yeah. ain't going to happen. Yeah. No, and like, you know, <laughs> the one thing I, I'm really bummed out about is that the Democratic Party pulled out of Iowa. I understand maybe not doing the caucus or something, but I really trust Iowa's voters. I mean, I know they, they're quirky, and I think that magic of being in somebody's room, you know, living room, in yeah. their living room or uh, around their kitchen table with 30 other neighbors and answering their questions, they're pretty fair about it. I mean, they'll give you a listen. That doesn't yeah. mean... You're going to you're going to come out alive. But right. They're nicer it, than the people in yeah, New Hampshire. Anyway. Yeah. And right. it, well, New Hampshire's more professional about. It. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's more. You know, are you for this guy? I don't know. I've only met him six times. Right. You know, exactly. It's like yeah. it's a much more. But you know, Iowa always struck me as you know. Look, even our party that goes into the whole thing about how you know it's not a diverse place. We need more diverse states to choose our nominee. They nominated Barack Obama. They defeated Hillary Clinton by voting for Barack Obama. Right. I mean, it's not, I just, I'm just saying like, there's a piece of me that, yeah, you know, a bunch of, on the Republican side this time, 50% of them went with, with Trump, but you know, 49% said not so fast. Yeah. That doesn't mean it won't eventually will well, out. But that also, whether or not it's Iowa and New Hampshire, that duality, Midwestern, conservative, yeah. Northeastern, independent slash libertarian, right? Suburban urban right because it's got boston nearby but again that's the first part of the gauntlet to be yeah. leader of the free world is you've got to go before steve in council bluffs and you got to go before biff right on the seacoast and if you can't put up with joe and the and and biff right how are you going to take on the worst people in the world yeah no and i also think particularly for democrats i think candidates grow a lot more in iowa i've always thought that I know Gephardt did. Mondale didn't need to. Mondale was amazing. I, actually, my best story about, uh, which I'll never forget, we went into Sioux City to a meatpacking plant. Oh, God. And, uh, and by the way, if you haven't been to Sioux City, the whole town smells like right. that. We go into this meatpacking plant, and uh, all the workers, they're all gathered there, you know, their smocks and the stuff. And uh, Mondale starts the speech. I mean, just walks up to the, podium or whatever the little mic was makeshift and just stands up there and and lifts his hands up in the air with with his fingers down bent down so there's only like two or three fingers in each hand in the air and screams out show me your hands and all these hands go up and there's fingers missing oh man across the whole floor oh man and it was like dude this guy knows it he knows it yeah he's Minnesota. Yeah, sure. So he, you know, that's, it was, there was like a, such a connection 
that this guy had, which was genuine. He really knew this yeah. wasn't, he did stuff like that. But that one, you know, it was, it just, he was a great, great guy. Would have been a great president. Right. Uh, but that's the other weird thing about this business, right? Yeah, you'd be the greatest president we ever had, except guess what? You just drew Ronald Reagan. As your, <laughs> right. you, you know, or, right. or Dole the, who draws- That you were being seated yeah, in. It's like, yeah, sorry, pal. Yeah, there's you know, Dole who draws Bill Clinton, right. you know, who I think probably would have been a- More a, than a, adequate president. Yeah, yeah, right. a, a really good president. I wasn't for him, but I've always thought Dole probably would have been a-, a, it was, a I mean, he was the epitome of decency. Yeah, but so you get guys like Dick Gephardt and Mondale that, you, you, that you've spent that kind of time with them in a place yeah. like Iowa- you really see whether that connection's there or not. And that's something I don't think that DeSantis had much right. ability in. You know, I mean, obviously, he had a lot of money and could build a or- good organization, and it got him second place. He deserves yeah. that. But I just didn't, didn't ever picked up that he had well, that. I mean, and we'll close with this. You can have a great campaign staff. You can have a lot of money. You can have tailwinds at your back, literally and figuratively. But at the end of the day, if your candidate sucks, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Because staff matters what? On the margin yeah. at best. Yeah. Right? I remember just to, you know thinking about like Barack Obama. In 2009, I'm living in California. All these people, Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. Look what Barack Obama did with Facebook. I said, Barack Obama could have won this election with Michelle Obama and his kids in an airplane. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right? No, that's true. Facebook was a tool. Barack Obama was what drove it. And I think that's some we sometimes forget that, like, oh, yeah, you can have all this whiz bang stuff. But at the end of the day, that person's got to look into the camera. They got to look into the eyes of those Americans. And if they don't have it, they don't have it. No. And the bulk of them get in not having any idea what they're getting into. And that was clearly the case with DeSantis. I mean, and it doesn't matter. And, and with some of them, Joe, as you know, probably better than anybody, you can't convince them of that no, sometimes. I've tried. I right. mean, you sit there and go, like, I mean, literally the entire field that ran against Biden yeah. in 2020. Right. I mean, literally every one of, the, not every one of, but a lot of the Mayor Pete. Other than Sanders, probably. No, but Mayor Pete. Warren. Uh, Globachar. Harris. Literally a lot of them called me and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Yeah. And I was like, do you have, you know, because they were so ill-prepared, for, not because they weren't good candidates, but they just hadn't really thought it through yet. Right. And I was like, no, you know, Joe Biden's going to cream you. And they'd all look at me like. And, you know, it's one of those things where your willingness to be honest to a potential candidate in their dining room with their family is inversely proportional to how much money you're probably going to make in politics. (laughs) Well, I would put this way. In many cases, it was the last conversation I had with the person I was talking to. A lot of them enter thinking that this is like their run for governor or like their run for the Senate was or like their, you know, whatever. And it ain't anything, anything like, like it, and uh, which is another reason I think Iowa and New Hampshire, if you're going to start out and you're going to like run the gauntlet, right. these are two places where, and like I said, maybe this is just, look, I've, I've got to be you know honest about it. Two of the biggest wins I've ever had in my life were in Iowa, so maybe yeah. I'm like too nostalgic about the place. But, but, but you know, I, I'm just thinking about this, and it's probably not an original idea, but running for president as a candidate that gets some level of traction, not the ones who do it because they just want to write a book or get a deal on CNN, like it's probably the closest approximation from a work slash 
exhaustion matrix you're going to get other than oh, being yeah. president. Because when you're running for president and you've gained any sort of attention, traction, success, whatever, it's 24-7. Yeah. It never stops. Everything is scrutinized. Everything is over-scrutinized. You've got a board press corps with you. They've heard the same speech, and they're going to find that one little thing, and everybody's going to go, how come we didn't think about that little thing? Well, because there were 9 million other little things yeah. over here we were worried about. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think starting at that level... And, you know, I don't know what the real answer is. It's not moving it to Michigan or people talk about rotating, like starting in South Dakota, Maine, and then going next time to, you know, but I still, I really wasn't a big fan of the Democrat Party saying, Democratic Party saying we're skipping Iowa this time. Well, maybe in 2028, Joe. All right, Joe, before we let you go, if you still dare to tread on social media, where can we find you? At Joe Trippy on Twitter. Uh... I think so. I like how you said that on Twitter. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> I, know, I still I call it. it Twitter. Yeah, no, uh, it is what it is. You know, I'm thinking of helping start a new Twitter. Oh, but well, we'll certainly keep if, us posted. And uh, but that trippy show podcast, uh, if you tune in, guys, it's yeah. a great show. Joe and Alex do a great show. They will break down all the stuff just like we did today because Joe is smarter than I am and understands the math (laughs) better than I do. So, Joe, I want to thank you. As always, gang, you can find me on Twitter at Reed Galen, on threads and Instagram at Reed underscore Galen underscore LP, and at Substack at the home front. Joe, thanks for joining me. Great to be with you. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Be sure to follow and subscribe to The Lincoln Project on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or however you listen. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. To connect with us, follow us on Twitter, at Project Lincoln. And for more information on our movement, to join our mailing list, subscribe to our newsletter, or make a contribution to our efforts, visit lincolnproject.us. If you want to message the podcast directly, please send an email to podcast at lincolnproject.us. And if you want to personally join the fight to save our nation's democracy, visit jointheunion.us. For The Lincoln Project, I'm Reed Galen. I'll see you on the next episode.